0: Womankind. I'm here in episode 51 with Chris Boleyn. Hi, Chris. Hi, Kelsey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. <laughs> so, Chris and I met in a way that I now often meet guests that I have on Womankind. It's like through this person that I know and this person that I know. So, um, my friend Brittany used to work with Chris's mom, and. Now, you and Brittany ended up having a conversation that led to Womankind.
1: Right. We bumped into each other at Spot Coffee, and the only reason I knew was because she had her company's name on her briefcase, and that was my mom's company, so I just went up to her and asked if she knew my mom, and we ended up chatting for, I don't know, about 10 minutes. And you came up somehow, and I'm trying to figure... Oh, I mentioned my event, maybe... Mm -hmm. Uh, Sip Shop Support, and she said, you should talk to my friend Kelsey. So the rest is history. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked many times since then, and I've actually attended
0: Chris's event, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, So Chris is actually a network marketer, and so we're going to talk about how she ended up where she is now with that title. So Chris, take it away. Take it away.
1: (laughs) Well, um... My first job in life is to be mom to Ellie and Tommy, so I have two kids. Ellie is nine and Tommy's six, and I'm married to Mike Boleyn, and he is a super awesome supportive husband. I've lived in Buffalo my whole life. went to Catholic school and graduated with like 120 girls, and then went to the ginormous University of Buffalo where I graduated with a business degree after a two-year stint in nursing school, wow! believe it or not, so um, quite the education I got there, um, but <laughs> with that, I began a career in banking right out of school, and I had a pretty successful seven-year run there, won multiple awards, and had some amazing experiences with my clients, and... Um, I didn't love that job. I really liked it. It was a good job. I had great benefits and, you know, I was comfortable, but I didn't love it. But while I was there, I met my husband, fell in love, obviously got married, bought a house, all the things, everything was great. You guys met through banking? Well, we didn't meet (laughs) through banking, but while I was working there, um, we met during my time there. Um, Oh, okay. We actually met on Match.com. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's funny because, I don't know, that was like 14 years ago, and we were kind of ashamed of it, like meeting online. I feel like that has changed so
0: so much since then. Like now that's kind of like the norm or like perfectly
1: acceptable. But yeah, 14 years ago, I don't know. what, what, What did people say to you guys? They thought that I was crazy to look for somebody online and that if I went out with a man I didn't know, I was going to get raped. I mean, there's still that assumption to some degree. Uh, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it took, it, it took away from the fact that I knew better that I could protect myself and right. meet in a public place and like kind of scout who I was going to see first and, you know, all that. But anyway, it, it worked out for the best. But at the time we were telling people we met at the bank, <laughs>
0: okay. not that
1: we met online because we were embarrassed. Wow. I didn't, I just stumbled onto this. I didn't mean. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You never know where it's going to go, but, um, it, it, we fell in love pretty fast and it was, obviously it's been great. So we've been married since 2007, but I got pregnant about a year into our marriage and, um, I was still working full time and I had every intention of going back to work after I had my daughter. So I had my daycare plan set in place and I had a new work schedule where I was going to have one weekday off with the intention that I would work every single Saturday. And Every single Saturday? Exactly. The banks are open on Saturday now. Oh. Banker's hours are not a thing anymore. So, you know, I, I wasn't loving that idea, but I knew that it would leave me home with my daughter and get her out of daycare at least one day a week. So that's what I was planning to do. Um, so I had my six weeks of time offset every single vacation day that I had for the year I banked for my maternity leave. And I knew that I was going to take some unpaid leave through FMLA, which is family medical leave Act. Um, so I wanted as much time off with my daughter as possible. And I had her in August and everything was perfect for a couple of days. And I don't know, day three home with her, I was rushed to the hospital. With a, I can't even describe, like a 12 out of 10 pain headache. So everybody thought I was having a stroke. So I was in ICU for days and away from my baby. And my husband was coming to like pump milk for her. It was horrible. And for a few days, nobody knew what was wrong with me. And in the end, I was end up diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. That my PPD anxiety was so intense that my blood pressure was so high that I could have had a stroke. So that was what, the headache was coming from that? My blood pressure was so high. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: So I had, I was having some issues. So right away I had to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And I was, I was in a lot of pain. Um, I spent every day worrying about being a good mom and how I was going to go back to work. And it just... It came out of nowhere for me. I, I guess I wasn't prepared for it. Um, but that's... It happens three days, like after three days. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. So it was, it was scary. Um, in the first six months of my daughter's life, I spent a lot of days crying and sleeping when she slept and struggling. But like I said, within six months, I was starting to feel like myself again and realizing that to take care of myself and her... I didn't see myself being able to go back to work full-time. So I started um, planning and scheming like how I was going to make that happen because we were dependent on my income to, you know, to make things work. So I had to do something. So I remember vividly Googling work from home and nothing coming up. It was like medical transcription jobs. What year was that? (laughs) Right? You know, a lot can change in 10 years. This was in two thousand. 10 early 2010 so when you would google work from home you didn't get a lot of options oh my gosh um so i knew i had to kind of figure out something on my own and my sister is actually the one who suggested suggested that i do organizing because i loved doing that for other people and i was i was like nesting so much during my pregnancy but really i i like to organize things i love a label maker you know i i'm like the original marie Kondo. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. But um, so I decided to sort of run with that business idea. And um, I did. So in June of 2010, I had my first customer, a client, and I went into her house and I helped her declutter. And it was great. But when you're passionate about something and you start a business, you forget that there's other things involved in a business like marketing and accounting and banking and Oh my gosh so much stuff so even though I only had to leave my daughter one or two days a week I was still doing a lot of work while I was home so um, you know I was I was hustling for sure and taking care of her and all the things so then let me see three years later I had my son and that is when everything changed Um, I knew I couldn't continue at that pace anymore so, something had to change. I had to start taking better care of myself. And it led me to where I am now. <laughs> um, I kind of went on a like wellness journey. i I knew that um I couldn't continue the naps while she was napping anymore if I was gonna have, you know this second baby to take care of and you know, keeping up with my business at that rate. So I started to take better care of myself, trying to sleep more, trying to eat better. I wasn't exercising because I just could not fit that in. But um, I, I was definitely trying to take better care of myself. And it was at that point that I met the girl who had introduced me to what I'm doing now because she hired me to come in and organize her home office. She had a really um, successful business out of her house and it was a mess and she wanted to kind of clear things up and so she hired me and at that point she was paying me the highest hourly rate i had ever gotten in my business so i was super excited about that to be able to charge her you know an amount that i had never been comfortable getting but that um she was willing to pay so i was like wow this really is a valued service and you know i'm on the right track but she introduced me to something completely different (laughs) And yet I was still open to it. So um, she changed my life. So I'm forever grateful to her. And I guess myself for being open. And that's my advice to to people now is always be open to opportunity because you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. True. So that's, is that my story? I guess that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> so quite a journey. And
0: I feel like you are the original Marie Kondo. Or you at least you and Marie were doing things at the same time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um so then what do you do now
1: so I am a network marketer like Kelsey said which I don't know what that is so <laughs> I'm about to learn <laughs> um I am with a company called IsoGenics. um network marketing is bec- becoming increasingly popular because it allows people to work in the pockets of their time with very low overhead um when they want to and when they when they can um Everybody knows Avon and Tupperware. They're the they're originals, the originals. Yeah. Um, but all companies are a little bit different. So you are able to create a passive income like I said with low upfront costs. For me, all I have to all I had to pay to start was my food. Isogenics is a health and wellness company. They have in my opinion the best wellness products on the planet. But I didn't come in for the business opportunity, obviously. I was in a business. I my organizing business was my third baby. Like I had grown that for years, and so I wasn't exactly open, but I needed to have more energy to maintain the business and take care of my kids. And this is what this girl was offering me. So I said, Okay, I've gotta try this this stuff. You know, she's raving about it, and I'm exhausted, and I'll give it a I'll give it a try. So you started as someone actually using the product. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like somebody turned on the light bulbs in my body for me. Like, I just felt amazing, and I couldn't be quiet about that. I have a big mouth, so I just started telling people. Like, And and people saw a difference in me, too. They were like, wow, you look amazing. Like, your energy is is different. Like, what's going on? What are you doing? And and that's really the essence of network marketing is falling in love with a product and not keeping your mouth shut about Mm -hmm. it. You know when we see a movie we like we tell people it's just natural but with network marketing you can be paid for telling your friends about that movie or that product so i had a great product experience and started telling people about it and within a year i replaced my income but i was still doing both i was actively working my isogenics business but i was still working my organizing business at the same time um and trying to figure out how to marry the two together And I was like, am I a life coach? Like I'm organizing over here and I'm helping people feel better over here. But then some people were like, well, I want to be able to share this too. And I want to make money with this too. And I just couldn't bring the two together authentically. And so at some point I knew that I had to kind of choose (laughs) one or the other. And as time has gone on, I've become more and more passionate about health, especially for women. And so... I chose to go hundred percent with my isogenics business. And it's so ironic that I'm talking about this today because as of yesterday I got my letter from New York State that I don't know, confirms that I've ceased operations with Organized Me of Buffalo. Um, that business was still open for the past year. I didn't have any clients, but I had to like formalize like, it. And the, the yeah. His, yeah. So I got the letter in the mail yesterday and it was just it was it was like all the feels, right? It's it's sad but it kind it's kind of like, like bittersweet. Totally. Yeah. So so yeah, um I I'm excited about it because to me it's it it is options for women. It's you can feel better um without having to meal plan or you can you know choose to run this as a side gig or work it to replace your income. Um there is real money here, it is a real business model. And it just excites the hell out of me. I love it. So what I'm going to say to that, you've probably heard before, because my
0: understanding of this is that that is a quote-unquote pyramid scheme, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure everybody, everybody says. I so love I, it. I just yep. want to hear, because do people say that all the, time, all the time. time about
1: this? So what is your response I actually, to that? I, I knew you were going to bring that up, <laughs> because everybody does. Okay, guys, listen, pyramid schemes are illegal. Yes. <laughs> um... And they, it's still a thing, and it doesn't take long before a company will get shut down, because they will eventually. But um, this is a proven business model. And if you're doing it authentically, it is something that, a product that you fall in love with that you're telling people about. A pyramid scheme is where there's no product move. It's signing people up to sign people up to sign people up to sign people up, and there's no product moving. With with companies that are doing it right, they have More product users than they have business builders. Mm -hmm. And in my company's case, 85% of people who purchase from Mytogenics are loving the products. And 15% decide to run with the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a very big difference. Excuse me. Um, Forbes magazine just said that network marketing is going to have explosive growth because millennials are going to take this opportunity and run with it. hasn't it already? I feel like it's, like, I know so
0: many businesses that I can name that are based on this business model. Exactly. And just to clarify, so then at the end of the pyramid scheme, the person at the top just, like, takes everything away. Is that how it ends? Like, (laughs) they just pull out the, I just, I think a lot of people think of, like, in the office with Michael Scott when he's like trying to explain like the new business venture that he's a part of and he's drawing it on the board and then Jim goes up and draws a pyramid around it and he's like I need to make a call <laughs>
1: So that's not what this is. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I mean, the same could be said about corporate America. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. There are people at the top and no matter how hard you work, you'll never get to the top of certain certain companies or certain businesses. With this, I'm the boss. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can decide how much I work and how much I make and there's no income cap for me. Um, But. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> it's, it's changed. It's definitely changed. It's definitely a lot different than it was in the 80s where it was okay. like flashy cars and flashing hundred dollar bills right. and, um, you know, there's, there's life-changing products mm-hmm. here
0: for sure. And it's a, a good solid way to make an income and work from home and kind
1: of plan your own time. Right. And so this is, this is what happened when I was loving these products. The girl who introduced this to me said You know, your business is amazing. Like you came in and you organized my office and I've never seen anybody work this hard. And, but let me ask you a question. Can you get paid if your kiddo is sick and you have to stay home? And I said, no. And she said, then you have an inherent business problem. Like as a mom, we need to be able to be paid if we have to stay home with our kiddo. And if you're self-employed, um, like I was, I had to leave the house to make money. And so I was open to the, to the option of being able to help people and make money from home so I could still be with my kids. And so that's what I've transitioned into now. And I work when my kids are at school and when they're home, I'm doing homework and I'm running to, you know, hockey practice and making dinner and doing homework and reading books. And then I work my business a little bit at night too when they're in bed. Mm -hmm. So it really is tailored to your schedule absolutely and I Excellent. that's what I need and it's not for everybody I mean mm-hmm. some people love their nine-to-five and that's awesome but for me like that wasn't I didn't love it and I knew there was something else for me mm-hmm. and I just had to figure it out it took me 37 years but I finally got here <laughs> And it's interesting because like I went to nursing school and then I went to business school and then I worked in you know banking corporate America and then I started my own business and now I have this network marketing business and for a while, I was like, why Why did I go through all of that? But you know what? All of that was important. I took little bits of everything I did to help me with what I'm doing now. You know, my background in nursing, I took nutrition classes, and I took human growth and development, and I use some of that now. And my business degree, like, I'm running a business, so I use that now, too. So it's all been, it's all been part of the journey. And you just never know where those things are going to take you, and I...
0: You know, I hope that young people hear these stories and really think about them because I think we have such an issue with being sold that story that, okay, when you choose your college and you choose your major, you're choosing the rest of your life, which is not the case for anybody anymore. Um, How many people are working in jobs where they're not using the degree that they got in college and even, you know, some of the things that they learned in college, like you said, you pull things from different areas and you use them later on. And I also read an article recently that talked about how, we don't really have, like, careers anymore. You don't go into something for 30 years, 40 years. Right. You, um, I forget the word that she used for it, but, like, kind, of, you kind of end up doing, like, six or seven year stints of different yeah. things throughout a lifetime. Um, I wish I
1: could remember. She had a really good phrase for it, but I can't remember what well, it is. Well, it's an evolution. I mean, right. our passions and our interests change. Right. And as we get older, like, things change. I mean, I didn't know what I know now. I didn't know... How it would affect me when I became a mom. That I would want to be a full-time mom who still was able to work, but in the pockets mm-hmm. of my... I didn't know that I that I wanted that. Right, like when you started your career, you probably never in a million years thought you would right. want to stay at home. I didn't even know that until <laughs> she was on the planet. I, mean, I looked at her face and I was like, You're oh like, okay. my gosh, everything's changing. Here we go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you have to... You have to know it's okay that, you know, you're going to change as a person and that, you know, if you're passionate about something, go for it. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm living proof of that for sure. Definitely. I love this. This is very,
0: like, energizing to me. <laughs> um, so, specifically, I mean, we've talked a lot about how um, having this type of, um, like, career, job, path uh, is helpful as a mother. Um, is it mostly women that are in this business?
1: Is it a woman? woman-oriented business? It is a lot of women. I love our men too, of course, and there are men doing it, but most of the women I'm helping who are my clients and who are on my team building a business are women, Um, and that excites me. I love working with women. I feel very connected to other women because we get each other, right? Um, But what I'm excited about is helping a woman who's overwhelmed, And it's hard because if you want to take better care of yourself, you're like, where do I start? Do I exercise? Do I eat better? I don't sleep enough. My stress is so high. So I'm kind of helping women navigate that whole thing because life is short. And, you know, if you if you show up for yourself, you'll show up better for other people. And women are the nurturers. And are always putting themselves last. It's like, well, let me take care of the kids first. Or my partner. Or, you know, the people I work for. Or my family. My parents. What about you? What about you? And so I help women do what I call put their oxygen mask on first. I'm amazed at how many guests have used that really on the show yeah it's true we have to put our mask on first Mm -hmm. I can't take care of my kids and I mean I actually lived through this like I was giving from an empty tank and I was falling apart I had to put my mask on first so I could take care of my kids Mm -hmm. and so and I think that's why I left that business and, and went into what I'm doing now is because I couldn't maintain that pace I couldn't take care of them the way I wanted to and and nurture that business I was forsaken, mm-hmm. so I had to. I had to. I had to step back. I really like that we
0: are hopefully changing that narrative. Like I just, it has never resonated well with me that, you know, we're praising people for. I saw like a meme or a tweet or something yesterday that said, you know, why do we admire mothers for sacrificing their identities? Right and. Like, it is something that, as a mother, you just have to do. Like, I think that there's, like, you know, you're going to lose pieces of yourself through that process, but why do we have to abandon the entire thing that you've worked on your entire life up until you reach that point? Um, And so, yeah, I've been thinking carefully about, like, who we've been taught to admire, and a lot of the time it's like, oh, we admire this person because she's so selfless and she puts everyone before herself. Well, How's she doing? Right. (laughs) Is she doing okay? And does anyone care how she's doing or does it just matter that like, you know, all the people that she's catering
1: to are okay? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, you know, putting myself Mm -hmm. out there and helping people uh, and being there for my kids. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important for my kids to see that I take care of myself too. Absolutely. It's a good model.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I guess maybe I'm speaking about some things that I don't know because I don't have children, but... I don't know, that I don't want to have that, like, martyr, kind of, like, sacrificial, self-sacrificial um, kind of trope as my goal for right. the future. Yeah.
1: no, I'd it's, like to find a way to not do that. <laughs> it's not cool anymore. It's not cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I have so many resources at my disposal. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a village to raise kids, and our parents are really helpful. My husband, too, like... <laughs> There's, there's like this silent understanding between the two of us that we each need time to just be like, I'm going out with my friends or, you know, I'm going to go sit in a coffee shop tonight or I need to go to bed early. And so he's really supportive of me taking care of myself because I give that to him too. Mm -hmm. And, um, I am not, I'm not going to sacrifice myself to be a mom. Um, so, you know, that's (laughs) a lot of who I work with our moms too, because I think, that's always my message. And so moms kind of gravitate to me like, whoa, like teach me, like <laughs> help me. How do you do that? Um, and it's not just about going to get a pedicure once a month, ladies. Like I do something for myself every single day. Like what I put in my body, you know, if, am I going to exercise? Am I going to take a step back because my stress level is at an all time high today? Do I need to go to bed an hour early because I need more sleep? Like, these are things that are just really important for us.
0: And they're skills and they're learned.
1: Absolutely. And women are
0: not always taught those things. Absolutely. Your business does a little bit and a lot of it to contribute to the community. So tell us a little bit about that. That is my, my
1: experience with your business is seeing it at a public event. Yes. So doing what I do, obviously I talk to a lot of women and... I love being able to talk to even other women-owned businesses because not everybody's going to want to do what I do, but it doesn't mean that we can't network and help each other. So late last year, I had this brainstorm that I could create an event where women, other women could go and do their holiday shopping with women-owned businesses who may not have a lot of exposure. Um, And we could have maybe some female speakers and then all the money could go to a charity. And I literally (laughs) pulled it together in like five weeks. I felt like a crazy person, but I fed off the energy of the other women that wanted to get involved. And so there was about 20 other businesses there. We called it SIP Shop Support. And the purpose was obviously to collaborate and showcase these businesses. Our speakers were Amy Lipman and Sue Morielli, who both have have been on this podcast. They sure have. And I would highly recommend you listen to their stories. Um, And then the proceeds went to Haven House, which is a not-for-profit that supports women and children who are survivors of domestic abuse. So it was an incredible night, um, and we are going to do it again. We're going to have the second Sip Shop support, but this time I am um, throwing the event with the networking group that I recently started with some other ladies that's called Wink. And that stands for Women in Networking Collaboration. So we're going to throw the event together. And the proceeds of this event are going to go to Buffalo Girl Choir. We're still looking for a location. I've talked to a couple places. Um, so if anybody has any ideas, find me on Instagram and send them my way. But you could follow Wink, W-I-N-C. So it's Wink Buffalo on Instagram and we'll have more information about the event there. So I hope you can come if you're in Buffalo, please come. It's going to be great. What is the Buffalo Girl Choir? So the mission of Buffalo Girl Choir is to provide exceptional music instruction and help develop young women into even stronger women. Cool. I mean, I've talked to a couple
0: um, musicians on the show and there is definitely like music, specifically jazz and classical, which I talked to my guests about. It's kind of a boys' club,
1: so I always love opportunities for women to get involved in those scenes, so Yeah, I'm I mean, cool. sort of hoping that a, com- a couple of the girls will be able to come in and like sing at the event, mm-hmm. so be cool. we'll see. <laughs> I'm still in the planning stages, and obviously it's less than two months away, but apparently I work really well under pressure. <laughs> and the last time I had five <laughs> weeks, and this time I have eight, so yay, even better. Well, just to... You know, commend you on the event. It was incredible.
0: It was really cool. I got to know so many businesses that I had never even heard of before. Um, I had a lot of Christmas shopping done. And I got to eat some good food, and yeah. especially um, from Park Edge Sweets. I had yes. some of their chocolate. She'll be there. Um, oh, good. And then my cousin does um, their... I don't know, like advertising.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, great.
0: She's in Kansas. We miss her, but she does it
1: from there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I wanted the even the business owners mm-hmm. there to kind of connect with each other mm-hmm. too because, you know, when you're in business for yourself as a woman, like for me, like I want to shop and work with... Other women own businesses, so when I need my website updated, I look for a woman who does that. And when I want to buy, you know, jewelry for my mom's birthday gift, I want to buy from a woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all a good thing. Absolutely, definitely.
0: And then it culminated into amazing speakers. <laughs> who, Sue had been my guest previously, but I got to know Amy, and now she's my guest. Um, all right, so I think we'll start moving into the questions about womanhood. So tell my listeners where they can buy your products, how they can get involved, um, anything along those
1: lines. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram uh at Chris underscore underscore Berlin, or just look for Chris Boleyn. My last name's B-E-L-I-N. Um my website's the same, same on Facebook, um, and we can just have a conversation, you know. What I do isn't for everybody. Um, I I mean, I think it is. I think we all need better nutrition and choices, but we can just have a conversation. And if you're in Buffalo and you own a business or you want to start a business, um, I can certainly help. Um, You can maybe join our networking group or come to an event. And uh, I just, I love connecting with other, other women. So I'd love to hear from you. Excellent.
0: All right, so now we're gonna hear a little bit more about Chris. I mean, my first question is always, what's your story? But I feel, is there anything you want to add to your story that we didn't hear? Anything outside of the realm of your business?
1: Yeah, so I like to talk a little bit about, you know, if you have this burning in your heart to do something else that you're not doing now, like, how do you get there? And I actually spoke to a troop of Girl Scouts about this the other day. Like, how do you figure out what, if you wanted to start your own business, where you start? And it really starts with your own interests and what excites you. So I made a list of different things that people like to do. And I would say, do that. Brainstorm. Like, do you like to bake? Are you a crafter? Do you like to build stuff? Do you like to speak to people? Are you into music? And just write all that out and circle the ones that, like, you're really excited about or you're really good at. Or even, like, talk to somebody who knows you really well and say, what am I good at? Like, what are my strengths? Most people know, like, oh my gosh, I love, you know, I love to draw so much. Like, how do I monetize this? And what I'll say is there's never been a better opportunity to be an entrepreneur than there is now. 2019 is, it is, you are prime for this. You can do it. Thank you, internet. Right? (laughs) And social media is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, social media is 95% of my business um, because it allows me to connect with people that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. But so get really clear on what you're excited about, what you're, what you're passionate about, and then do some research, go to Barnes and Noble. There's so many books out there. There's podcasts, there's, oh my gosh, interview another business and, and ask them 10 questions. Like, how did you start? How much money do you need? Um, what are your, what are your, what have been your strengths? What's hard? Like just, just talk to somebody, um, do some research and just believe you can do it. Um, I will say that I would have quit. I mean, I've been in business for myself 10 years now. I would have quit if not for two key people who have been my constant cheerleaders. Because not everybody's going to buy what you're selling. Whether it's a product or service or podcast or whatever it is. Like, Not everybody's going to be into it. You might be too much for some people. And just because your best friend or your even your own sister isn't into what you're doing doesn't mean you should stop. But it is, I think, really important to have one or two people who, like, consistently have your back in it. And for me, that's been my husband and my mom, like, constantly cheering me on. I mean, I could cry just thinking about it. And I have. I've cried to both of them. And they're like, you're not going to stop. You're going to keep going. And don't give up because I can't give up. You know, I'm doing this for my kids. I want to show them that they can do anything. And so I have to be be that role model. So um, I always say... I always like to talk to people about that. So if, if you have a burning in your heart to do something else and you need somebody to talk to, please reach out to me. Um, that really that really fires me up. Um, and what else? Um, back to network marketing, my industry, I, I think I mentioned it's not for everybody, but it's it's easy, but you have to put the work in. I mean, I went to college for four years. I studied two different majors before I finally finished. I paid lots of money in student loans. I logged tons of hours to study. But people will start in my industry and give it a couple months, and if they don't make money, they quit. So with this, you real in any business, you have to give it a good two to five years of continually learning and growing and getting better, and it will happen. But Is you- there any business where you can like make money and... A few months. (laughs) There's no such thing as a get-rich-quick thing anymore. You have to commit to it. You have to keep learning and growing. You went to college for four years. What makes you think you're going to make $100,000 in four months? It's not going to happen. you got to stick with it. I mean, I think people sometimes expect there to be some kind of,
0: like, windfall of money. Like, I did this, I struck it rich, and then I won't have to worry again. But I don't think I know anybody but that's actually
1: happened to exactly <laughs> everybody's focused on their own life like people will support you but they're not focused on what you're doing they're not gonna you know they're not gonna buy everything you're, and tell everybody that they know about your product you have to do that you have to you have to put the work in and not give up mm-hmm. um and like I said it, I would have probably given up if not for my support system but also I am constantly learning I listen to podcasts I read books I watch Tony Robbins on Netflix. Like, I do all the things to keep myself plugged into to positivity um, because it can be hard sometimes. Tony Robbins has been coming up a lot in the podcast lately. <laughs> I like Rachel <laughs> Hollis, too. I mean, I... Is she the girl wash your face right. person? Yeah. So she's like the female Tony Robbins. <laughs> oh, I might get in trouble for saying that. No, but I... I I like to just make sure I'm, I'm plugged into the people who mm-hmm. are speaking my language. Mm-hmm. And I like being around like-minded people as well. Um, so, You're very disciplined. I,
0: I Is am. Is that the right word for you?
1: I am, but I wasn't always. Mm-hmm. Even now, my husband's like, are you staying on your schedule? Mm-hmm. Because when you don't have a boss, it's very easy to be like, oh, I'm going to go have coffee with such mm-hmm. and such and sit there for two hours instead of doing my work. Um, So it does require a fair amount of discipline, but again, because I haven't quit and I've kept staying in the game, I've gotten better and better.
0: Yeah, that is something, because I have a job that has like a dichotomy of things that are scheduled for me, and so I have to do them, and there's no getting around it. And then there's the the second part of it that is totally self-motivated. I struggle so much with the self-motivated part. Sure. Um, so I have every excuse in the book. If anyone's looking for procrastination lessons, I can give them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, Chris, now
1: comes the big question. What does
0: it mean to you to be a woman in 2019?
1: Oh, so much. (laughs) To me, it means choice. We all want purpose. I want purpose. I didn't know what I was searching for, but I was searching for my purpose because... When I feel I'm in my purpose, I'm walking in it, I'm working it, I'm happiest. Um, so, like I said, in 2019, women can choose to turn their passion into a business if it's something they want to do. There's so much out there, there's so much information and support. And so, to me, it, it means choice, to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that
0: answer. I've heard, heard that answer before. I like when there are repeat answers, not because I'm like calling you out, and saying someone else said that, but I feel like it makes it more true. The it's more a people that say it, yeah. So I
1: love those threads that pop out. That you yes. don't have to be miserable in in a job or a hobby or whatever it is you're doing. You can choose to to make a change, a career path change, you know, in your volunteer work and even your own hobbies, if if. You want to move on, it is okay to do that. Excellent advice. Thank you. So, um, I've flip-flopped the two
0: questions. So, what is the hardest
1: part of being a woman?
0: <laughs> this is So, we can me. end with the positive.
1: Of the <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest with you. When I first was thinking about this question, I wanted to talk about, like, that sometimes I'm so quick to cry when I'm upset about something and that it really bugs me. But... Then I stopped myself because I don't think crying is a sign of weakness anymore. I think it's, it's an overflow of an authentic emotion. And although there, were t- there are times and places, um, like I, I went back to the time when I interviewed at RIT to be in the Physician's Assistant Program when I was 18 years old and they only took 25 applicants and they asked me who my role model was and I started to cry I wish I hadn't cried, but now looking back, like, it made me authentic to them. And I ended up getting accepted into that program. And I, although I didn't go, I remember thinking, God, I was so weak because I cried. But it's not a sign of weakness to cry. So that's not my answer. My answer <laughs> is that there are so many demands on women nowadays. You know, Take care of your kids and run them around to birthday parties and run my business and have a social life and take care of my family. But the hardest part of all that is to have a freaking mind-numbing headache and a heavy flow day one period. I hate having a period. That is the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> it's to do all the hard things I have to do and then and have then to deal also, with that on top of it. Well, and
0: that's the thing is that
1: you don't get a
0: break. You have to just continue on with life while those things are
1: happening. Exactly.
0: And I do wonder if men experienced a similar event, what what would happen? What would happen? Right? And nobody... I mean, this is why I like being in all-female environments, because when you're in mixed company, um, if you talk openly about these things, you're, like, gross, and people don't want to hear about it, and blah, 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 but
1: at least we can commiserate a little bit together. Well, and the other thing I'm sort of known for and some of my best friends know this and they think it's hysterical is that I talk about how annoying it is that now that I've had a couple kids anytime I laugh sneeze jump mm-hmm. I pee my pants mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> I'm not even 40 years old and I can't I can't like have a laugh out loud moment without worrying like oh my gosh oh, I'm no. gonna pee my pants it gets ridiculous but like only women get that you get that with me so um <laughs> that's the sort of stuff but It's also really frustrating, I mean, getting back to being a little bit more serious, that women are not paid as much as men, that there's still a gender pay gap, and that if you believe the statistics, that it's not going to close for another 100 years, that why are we still doing the same work and not making the same amount of money, and that's just ridiculous, and I know that when I was working at the bank, that I was one of their top producers, and yet a man in my position was still making more money than me. And that's just infuriating. Mm -hmm. So even though I am self-employed now, um, I know other women who are working their butts off and not making what their male counterparts are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, it's one of those things where I kind of look back and I'm like, how long have women been in the workforce? Mm -hmm. And to some degree, you know, women who have lived in poverty have been in the workforce forever forever. Exactly, um, And so there's no, I mean, we're t- we're talking, I guess, more about, like, white-collar-type situations where this gap truly is, like, prominent, I guess. Or, not prominent, but it, that's what we're talking about, I think, when exactly. we talk about the wage gap. And that's something that we can change, but people that are in control of the money choose not to change it. Right. And that is frustrating to me. Very, very. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on a... Lighter note. <laughs> what are your favorite parts of being a woman? Oh,
1: I love that I have an empathetic heart, and that I want to help others, and that I can nurture my kids in a different way than my husband can. He's a nurturer too, but that it's different. Um, I loved being pregnant and breastfeeding my kids, and to be able to do that was just such an honor and sometimes i miss it i told my husband the other day i'm like i think i want another kid he's like you're crazy (laughs) he's too old i'm too old for that too but um doesn't mean i can't nurture other kiddos so you never know what the future will hold but um i love being connected to other women and i love talking to another woman especially somebody i've never met and like getting to know her um, because like I said, we, we understand each other. There's just like this silent understanding, like you've got it that if you're going to sneeze, you might pee your pants too, <laughs> just like me. Um, and just, yeah. So there's a lot I love about being a woman and you don't really think about it until you're asked this question, but I wouldn't have it on any other way. That's my why mo- I ask it. <laughs> yeah. My mom told me a, a few years ago, like if you were a boy, you would, you would have been named Philip. I'm like, what would that even be like? Like, Mm -hmm. I just, I love who I am, so.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, let's see. Chris, what changes do you want to see for women in the future?
1: I want to see the maternity leave in this country change. I don't know how that starts. Maybe this is something I need to take on or look into, I don't know. But I remember being really frustrated when I was planning my maternity leave And hearing stories of some of my friends who got more time than I was going to get. So I was only going to get six weeks. And that if I wanted more, I would have to use all of my vacation, like I mentioned, and then go unpaid with FMLA. So we have no maternity leave system in the United States. Any maternity leave that women get is, is all based on their company. And that's wrong. In other countries especially in Europe it's it's part of the law that women get paid maternity leave so Europe is at the top of that game and the number one country is Bulgaria and those women get 46 weeks of full pay that's almost one year this time with your baby is crucial and even for yourself like I mentioned like I had a hard time adjusting It was, I did not know what was coming for me. And like, for me, I was dealing with postpartum depression. Like I needed time and I didn't have, I didn't need to worry. Like I need to be back to work in like four weeks. Women need more time with their kids. They need more time to like adjust. And it's, it's, it's not enough. The average in the U.S. is 10 weeks. That is not enough time. Women are still breastfeeding far past that in many cases, so... um, But I guess it's hard to expect we'll get more paid maternity leave if our pay isn't even equal to men's pay. So, I don't know. Which one's more important? You decide. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a
0: lot. Yeah. I don't even... Like, I don't even know. Like, where do we start
1: with this? Yeah, I mean, if you asked 10 women, like, what would you rather have equal pay or have more maternity leave. I mean, I don't know cuz not all women want to have a baby, so mm-hmm. obviously that's that's first, but yeah, there's definitely a problem like uh, how women are are treated in the workforce in the US, mm-hmm. right? Mhm. Absolutely.
0: I mean, New York State does have paid family leave now it's still being rolled out but that's not specific to
1: maternity it's specific specific to lots of things that could happen in a family which is still Um, important which is yeah there's other things that a woman has to worry about you know if she's not a mother obviously but she has a parent whose health is failing and she needs to care for them it's just as important Mm -hmm. um it all kind of rolls into the same Mm -hmm. thing
0: so if anyone knows where to start,
1: Help. get in touch with us. Help.
0: <laughs> so now, who are some of the women that you most
1: admire? My mom, without a doubt. Um, she's had a heck of a life. <laughs> I don't know how she's going to feel about hearing this. Um, she lost her dad when she was a teenager and had me at the age of 19. Oh, jeez. And then two years later, at 21, she had my sister and became a single mom. And I don't know how she did it because I barely had my shit together when I was 21, let alone having to take care of two babies. Um, She went on to have two more kids with my stepdad, but always worked, always volunteered, and was always getting better. When I was in high school, um, she went back to school to get her associates in nursing and went right on and got her bachelor's and master's degree. All while taking care of four kids, and a dog, and we had exchange students, and she was a volunteer firefighter what? in her community. I'm telling wow. you, wow, it's incredible. She's insane. She's amazing, and she's the best advice giver. She's not always the best advice taker, <laughs> but she's the best advice giver. All of all four of us are constantly going to her. I can't even imagine how many text messages she gets from us every single day, but she continually puts her kids and now grandkids first. Mm-hmm. My sister, my youngest sister's baby um ha- needs to have surgery in a few weeks and my mom is of course like taking a week off of work and flying out there and like going to be by her side through the whole thing and that's just that's just her. But she's a strong woman despite everything she went through because she went through a lot of shit and um so she's definitely number one. There's nobody that can compete with her for who I admire the most. Wow, she sounds amazing. You'll have to meet her. Yeah, <laughs> I want to now. Well, I, I want to ask her questions about being a firefighter on top of everything else. Well, she, so when the calls, I remember when I was younger, both my parents did this, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Like, the calls would go out in the middle of the night and one of them would always go. Mm-hmm. And they, like, had to be up at, like, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock in the morning to take care of all of us. But if there was a call at 2 a.m., they would go. So my mm-hmm. mom went to a lot of... The um, first aid type calls, mm-hmm. so she was never really like working fire calls, but right. like if somebody was having a heart attack, and that's what most of the calls were—they were like EMT right. like, type stuff. She was stuff. always going, and right. so then when she went back to get her nursing degree, it was mm-hmm. not a surprise. That makes sense. So, like, out of
0: curiosity, what town did you guys grow up in? West Seneca. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think the Grand Island Fire Department has a similar uh, feeling of what it means to be a firefighter
1: there as yeah. well. <laughs> well, it was just, like, chaos growing up. Like, because they had that those radios in the mm-hmm. house, and when mm-hmm. the calls would go out, they would just go out. So it would be, like, four kids, crazy, running around with And the then dogs. you hear the scanner in the background. Exactly. <laughs> and as I got older, my mom could go because I could stay. I was the oldest right, of four, could... and I could stay back and, like, take care of everybody. But it was just, like, amazing to watch her do all that it's just incredible. she might have to be a future guest oh my god yes, but yes you really should you really should and like she was adopted mm-hmm. and she like found her real family when i was oh growing up and like just incredible just incredible what love her, her love you mom sue sue my mom's name is sue really yeah <laughs> she's the best she's probably part of why i'm the way i'm now like can't sit still always doing something yeah. For sure.
0: Um, so, I don't. I wonder which one of us should tell our story first. Do you want to tell yours first? No.
1: Okay, you, Kelsey. Okay. I'm, I'm going to interview you now. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite story of a
0: subversive woman? <laughs> well, I have a million, which is why I created this segment so I could continue talking about them. Love it. And I also love it because when I'm looking people up, I learn about people that, people from history whose names I've never heard before right. who I should
1: have heard. Of course. Um, Why didn't we hear more about these stories when we were learning history? Well, who was telling the stories? Paul Revere and George Washington. (laughs) What
0: was I was just talking about? This is, I'm going to get dark for a second here. Um, So I was reading an article the other day about this book that was written about female serial killers. Okay. And so I've always had this kind of thought in my mind. I'm very, I listen to a lot of like true crime podcasts that I'm like, well, all murderers are men. Because that's just the stories that we hear and then I was like wait a minute these are just the stories that we hear there have been women who have also had who have been murderers but we just don't have their names on the tip of our tongue like we do with like Ted Bundy and Charles Manson like those are the stories that people retold and men were telling the stories and so women that have committed these crimes we just don't talk about and remember their names but they are out there Mm -hmm. so I mean this is like a dark topic for there to be equality on but <laughs> I mean it's still it was just something that I thought of that I was like wow I wonder if the statistics do look different we just haven't heard hmm. from more about more women who have committed crimes so just something to think about a little bit dark there <laughs> very yeah but interesting nonetheless mm-hmm. so the the woman that I'm going to talk about today is a woman who Um, I've known about since I was a freshman in high school because that's when I first read her book and now as a teacher I've actually taught her book to my students for many years Um, and those of you that are in Buffalo will have um, probably have heard of her or maybe even met her at some point because she settled with her family in the Kenmore area Um, and her name is Gerda Weissman Klein and she survived the Holocaust so her story starts in Poland. She was born in the 1920s in Poland and she was about 15 when the Germans first occupied Poland and she basically had to have her adolescence unfold during the war. The war happened from the time she was 15 to the time she she was actually liberated on the day before her 21st birthday. Oh my so gosh. think about those like formative years and I mean go, going through her experience during those formative years it is just unbelievable that she ended up the way she did. She's incredible. So she started out living in like Jewish ghettos with her family um, and then she was separated from her family and she went through a series of um, work camps mostly that were related to like textiles and weaving. Um, and luckily she was a skilled worker, um, which did allow for you know the Third Reich to keep her alive because they needed skilled workers. Um, So she went through all of that and then um, ended up on the infamous death march through Czechoslovakia. Um, And she ended up being... So this number sticks in my head because I've read this book so many times, but also just because it's incredible. 2,000 women started out on this march, and she was one of 120 that survived. And a key component of her survival was her father before she left for like a transport that she was going on told her to put on her ski boots even though it was june she still had those ski boots on the march and because of her father's like intuition knowing something was coming she survived because of it so it's really an incredible story. And then the other aspect of it that, you know, people go, aw, because of is she married the American soldier that was the first soldier she met that liberated her. Oh my God. <laughs> so they they met and then connected. And then even though she was like 68 pounds and had gray hair when they first met because she was so emaciated, um, they fell in love and got married in Paris and moved to Buffalo and settled in Kenmore. And so that part of the story is all incredible, but once she was settled in Buffalo, she had three children, and she wrote her story in a Mm -hmm. book called All But My Life. And then she and her husband, Kurt, told their story through a documentary on um, HBO called One Survivor Remembers from the 90s. Um, And it won an Emmy. It won an Oscar. Like It's it's a really incredible story. Um, So if reading is not your thing, I recommend watching the documentary. Um, And just, she has this storyteller personality like she can just tell a really good story and so hearing her actually tell her own story and talk about what she went through um and seeing her now like now she's about 95 but um through like the 90s and she was on oprah she talked to president clinton she was an advocate for anyone who was downtrodden Um, one recent i mean i guess she didn't do this recently i just saw the play recently she wrote a book called the blue rose Um, To advocate for children who have disabilities. Um, She just really has made a lifetime out of being an activist and wanting to, especially, uplift Jewish people, but uplift anyone who has been a victim. Um, And so, that I think she's an incredible subversive lady. Um, And so, I'm lucky to have read her story. So, that's Gerda Weissman Klein.
1: Oh my gosh. I've never heard of her. Now I want to read that book. That's amazing. I think I have it on the shelf behind. Okay. Okay. I, <laughs> I will borrow it. We're so like, now, Chris, okay. who's your story? Well, <laughs> it's interesting because over the past few weeks I've been reading with my daughter, who's now a fourth grader, a book series called Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. And they're incredible. Like it's funny that you say like we haven't heard about a lot of these subversive women. In history. And these books are talking about these women, these particular women. So there's two of them. And some of them I've heard of, like Gloria Steinem and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Beyonce and Oprah and or Truth. But a lot of them I haven't heard of. And so I love that my daughter's reading these. So we read them together at night. And the one that has stuck out to me is a woman named, well, her Given name at birth is Sarah, but she's known as Madam C.J. Walker. And she was the first in her family to be born free after the Emancipation Proclamation and its slavery. Uh, she created a hair treatment for African-American women that stimulated hair growth. And she got really popular really fast. And she was traveling the country. And eventually she had women working for her known as Walker Girls. Um, Her husband actually helped her, I guess he was in advertising, and he helped her rebrand from like Sarah Walker to Madam Walker because it made her sound like she knew what she was doing (laughs) and that she was an expert, and that's I think that's a great lesson, too, is that whatever you're doing, treat yourself like an expert, and other people will, and that's what she did. And her success encouraged other women to create their own companies, and she helped other women do that, and she supported a lot of charities that provided educational opportunities for other african americans and this is my favorite part she became the first female self-made millionaire in america i love that and she did this a hundred years ago (laughs) um and so i can't wait to read more about some of these women in these books with my daughter and i love that this is a thing the other book that i really like that my daughter's into is called strong is the new pretty and it's all these young girls, none of which we know, they're just everyday girls living their life who have done amazing things in their sh- few years on the planet. And it's changing the narrative for girls that you need to be pretty, to be interesting or cool or fouled or whatever, and that you can be strong and being strong is better <laughs> um and stories of how how they were strong in their life so um look at that we got two book recommendations to book well, here. three. three, three. Oh, yes. Yeah, there are two the, of the good night stories for rebel girls is a two book series and then strong as a new pretty is one book um and they're they're easy reads for young girls so um they'd be really super easy reads for you um but i love them yeah i love it too i've been Staring I, at it because yeah, I brought it with yeah. me today. Yeah. <laughs> I love and it. the illustrations in the books are incredible too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, great idea for whoever came up with mm-hmm. these. We'll have to. Who is it? Is there an author
0: on there? Let's see. Oh, there's a bunch of them. On
1: the front, like at the bottom. These are all the women in the oh, book. Oh, in
0: the book. Okay. Yeah.
1: Francesca Cavallo and Elena Favilli. Oh, cool.
0: Yay. Mm hmm. All right, Chris, well, we have reached the end of our episode, so thank you so much for being
1: here. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be able to share my story and hopefully inspire other women. Yes, and I'm sure you have. So
0: tell my listeners again where they can find your products and where they can find you and all the things
1: that you're doing. You can find me on Instagram, Chris Boleyn, and at chrisboleyn.com. All right. And if you're looking to get in touch with Womankind, you know where to find me
0: on Facebook and Instagram at womankindpodcast through email at womankindpodcast at gmail.com or at www.womankindpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, friends.